Hello, everybody. We made it. Season 10. Welcome to season 10 of the Drink It In podcast. My name is Jordana. And in this season, we hear from couples that happen to be influencers as well. These couples are inspiring and entertaining and each have a fun way of engaging with each other as well as their audiences. With this season, we have launched my brand new YouTube channel. That's right, my brand new YouTube channel. You can now watch each episode there for your enjoyment. As always, enjoy the show. Hi, everyone. This is season 10, the Dynamic Duos, and I am so fortunate to have with me today, Gavora Davis and her husband. I'm going to call you Rabbi Davis out of respect and a proper way of communicating with people. Um, I had met Gavor. We have, I think we did some momentum trips together. Yes. And then, and then just recently we did a project inspire retreat together. And through talking to her, I saw that she does a lot of stuff. Now, I mean, a lot of stuff with her husband, right? So they are definitely the dynamic duo together. Um, I, up until now, I've been interviewing people that might've done social media together in, in different ways and forms. But this couple do a lot of Kiruv, a lot of community work together, and we're going to try to get to know them a little bit. So first of all, what I'd like the two of you to introduce yourself, say where you're from, and then we're going to get into perhaps how the two of you actually met because you're not even from the same country. So right. go for it. Even the same continent. Right. Same continent. <laughs> yeah, you can do it. You want to start. Okay. Hi, everybody. Thank you so much, Jordana, for having us. And thank you to all of your amazing listeners. Um, I'm Gavura Davis. I grew up in mostly suburban Atlanta, moved to Israel when I was 20. Um, 20? Yeah, 20. Um, lived in Israel for five and a half years, then had the honor and privilege of, believe it or not, moving to Kansas City, Kansas. Um, you probably haven't had that many speaker uh, interviewees from Kansas City. And we were there for eight years. And now we've been in Philadelphia for eight years where we run um, Age Philadelphia with our five kids in the family business. In the family business. Okay, Rabbi Davis, how about you? Where are you from originally? So I grew up in a seaside town called Brighton. So quite often when I say that to people, they're like, oh, that's not London. And then they sort of like go a little blank. But basically, if you know the map of England, sort of like a triangle, London's near the bottom. If you draw a little line straight down south, from London to Brighton until you hit the sea. That's it. That, that's Brighton. That's where my grandparents and great-grandparents moved in, I don't know, 80, 90 years ago. I don't know exactly. And that's where I grew up, beautiful seaside town, fairly small Jewish community. And, and then I went to Manchester University for four years. And it was there where I started to become more observant and start learning, hanging out and learning with the rabbis and ultimately ended up going to Chappelle's and um, staying to learn there for six years. I met my lovely wife during the second year there, thank God. And then, as Gavara said, we spent eight years in the community code of Kansas City, and then we moved to Philadelphia. We were originally with Eight Time, and then in 2018, um, Eight Time and Aish, towards the end of the year, we basically merged the two entities together. So it's officially Aish Chaim is the name of the organization that we work for now, which is so it's Eight Time and Aish, which had a, a deep history of working in the Philadelphia Jewish community. Wow. Wow. So, so you both met in Israel. So let's hear 
how can, I know I had, uh, the people are getting used to this already from listening from the other episodes about shidduch dating and being set up. So I'm, I'm assuming that's what happened with the two of you. You we two were, were set up because we have the same last name. Not really. Oh, that is so cute. I didn't know your maiden name was I'm Davis. Orthodox Davis Davis. And, um, I kept my maiden name and, um, it's true. we got engaged on our ninth date. Believe it or not. Yeah. Um, well, <laughs> I was, you know, I was like 23 and I was in learning Chappelle's and I, I kept calling up one of the rabbits is actually was my rabbi's wife and asked if she knew of anybody. And she kept saying, are you still 23? Because like in the Belchuba world, like, you know, sometimes it takes people a while to get themselves together and start dating. And I, was, I said, you know, I'd like to ideally somebody a year or two younger than me. I think that would be most appropriate because like if you look at my wedding photos when i was 24 i look like i look like i was probably about 17. so you know i thought it's probably gonna be somebody younger so i kept calling up the rabbi's wife and saying do you know anybody you know around my age maybe a little younger and she kept saying are you still 23. i'm like yeah i'm still 23. eventually called up she's like well there was this young lady who just came over for shabbos meal i I don't know if it's um you know if it's shyach her name's gavora davis I'm like, well, that's weird in two cents. Cause like Gavara, like who's of her, that's a weird name. And Davis, well, that's my name. So like, okay, like, I don't know, let's just go for it. You know, like you're young and exciting. And so we went and we had our first date in um, Parpar on Rechav Herzl. I think it's not Parpar anymore, but it was a, it was a little coffee shop. And um, I got a mint tea and Gavara got a bottle of water. And, and the rest is history. But actually, there was a good story of our, from our first date. Do you want to tell that, Gavor? Yeah, I'm going to try to tell it very quickly, even though it's a very humiliating story. I think it's an int- it, people seem to find it interesting. Okay, so I, we I was on, in essence, my first real, like, shit off date with someone who really could have been, like, my potential husband. And I was used to, like, high school and college shorty dating. And on the shit off date, I realized that it's really very different. And it's sort of, you know, like I, in my mind, I kept saying like, how do you know if you could marry someone? Like, that's such a crazy thing, like to marry someone from my perspective, from where I was coming from. So um, I did something that I've only done once and um, I haven't done it. I didn't do it before and I haven't done it since. And I'm not a hundred percent sure. I'm pretty sure in Judaism, you're not supposed to do this, but I didn't know that at the time. Uh, we, I don't know, there's different opinions, but I asked God for a sign. Okay. And the main reason that we're not supposed to do it, I think, is because it's hard to interpret God. God is always speaking to us, but we shouldn't like use it in decision making because mm-hmm. it's hard to know exactly, you know, what the sign is. But I got a very, very big sign that um, I very sincerely asked God for a sign and I'm pretty sure I got it. Um, by the way, we're about to celebrate our 20th wedding anniversary. So this is 20 years ago. Um, I asked God for a sign. I said, this guy seems really cute, really nice, but I don't know, like, you know, we're from, we're very different. We still are pretty different (laughs) until I stole his midlife crisis, but we'll get into that soon. Um, We're pretty different in a lot of ways. Um, but I asked God for a sign now pause 10 years before Jordan, I don't know if you know this world, but maybe some of your audience does. I went to um, a pretty secular Jewish summer camp where the essence of the camp was who the cool counselors dated. Like if you 
were in the know. I mean, that was like all the fun, all the drama that we had yes. was who the, which mm-hmm. counselors were professing their love for who. So I yes. have the honor and privilege to be in um, Jody Smiley's cabin. And she was dating none other than Elliot Throne, the king of cool. Like the whole camp revolves around Elliot Throne. I wonder, maybe one day some of them will see this and they'll have no idea the impact that it made. So one day, the official rule was that there was a girl's side of camp and a boy's side of camp and that boys were not allowed into the girls' bunks. So one day, Elliot um, snuck in while we weren't there and surprised Jody, and he wrote down the lyrics of the song Fields of Gold. By Sting. Mm-hmm. By Sting. Now, this okay. is like before Spotify, before you could Google lyrics. This is a long time ago where you had to listen on a cassette and write in a spiral notebook the lyrics. So he put them mm-hmm. above her bed on the wall. And when we got back from our activity and we saw them, uh, the, the, the page, everybody was like so excited. It was like, you know, oh, so me being the dramatic FOMO person that I am always like being in the middle of things. I stood up, I stood on Jody's bed, in fact, and said the following, when I grow up, the person I'm going to marry is also going to talk to me about profess the lyrics of that song to me. Okay. Mm. It was like 10, I was probably 12 at the times. And I was, how old was I? No, I was 20, 21. 21. 21 yeah. when we met? Yeah. Yeah. So this, you know, a long time later. And I had forgotten about that. It's not like every year I was like, oh, I'm looking for my husband. He's singing Fields of Gold to me. I not. I had forgotten about it. So a, maybe 20 minutes or at least within an hour of when I asked God for this sign. We, we've, so we finished our coffee in the water. And we're walk, walking around Beta Kerem, which is the yeshiva, the neighborhood where Chappelle's actually is. It's a beautiful well-kept neighborhood in West Jerusalem. So we're walking around. So I, well, on? I think to understand the, like how wild of a story this is, you have to talk about what yeshiva was like and like. Well, we were learning all day, but basically, so the reason how, what, what happened then is I said, I turned around and I said to her, do you know the song Fields of Gold? Completely out of nowhere. Like, okay. but so out of nowhere because he was like, he's like a yeshiva guy. Like, well, as it happens, I love Sting, still do. So that's the connection. That's but, thing, by the way, in yeshiva. but, Anyways. but the reason why I asked is because that some guys had gone to a, another rabbi, um, Sheer, somebody who's maybe, I won't say the name of the rabbi, but he's a bit out of the box, you could say. And then, the, the, but like a very black hat and, yeshiva but this, rabbi. But, but this rabbi said, you know, the song Fields of Gold can help you imagine. Have create, help you with the imagery of Shir Hashirim, Song of Songs. And and so I asked Kavura, what do you think about such a concept of using a secular song to help us understand words of Tanakh? That's how it came up. And then unbeknownst to me at the time, she was like, oh my goodness me, like Hashem's just showing me this sign. Like we're getting married. It's exciting. Please. <laughs> Say that to him, I didn't tell him that, but I still 20 plus years later remember what that it felt moment. like for him to turn to me and say, Do you know the song Fields of Gold? I want to share with you some of the lyrics. So, so, so that was pretty much it. And I mean, like in the context was just so wild. Like so, we were, you know, in a very religious yeah. and I and I was ready to sort of like take the dating with Kavar like moderately slowly, but like I kept getting these calls from the Shadchanet, like she wants to keep moving things forward. She wants to talk about the we, like what would our life look like? Yeah, yeah. And and, like things just like move really forward quickly. And 
and and then so like on the ninth day we were at the rabbi's home actually that in rabbi Rebetzin that introduced us rabbi myers and we were walking back from Bayat Vagan to Harnoff, and I thought she wanted to propose to me. Now, there's another part of that story. We won't get into that today, but I thought she wanted me to do So I said, look, I'm not, I'm not proposing to you, but if I were to, what would you say? And so she said, well, I'd say yes. I'm like, oh, wow. Okay, well, should we, what should we do? She's like, well, let's go to the Kosal. I didn't say that. She, she did. Did I? Yeah. So Which, she, by the way, maybe that set the stage for 20 years later, our current habit, because, you know, by the Gans to Harnoff to the Kotel. And then back to Harnoff. And then me walking back from Harnoff to Beta Karim, it's, you know, it's like, it's 10, 12, 15 miles. I don't know exactly. Like normal people don't do that. <laughs> well, maybe. <laughs> so I said to Gavor, I'm like, well, it's pretty cold. It was December. And I'm like, you know, Gavora, she still, by the way, she still always forgets her coat. That is true. So she didn't have a coat with her. Of course, I grew up with like very disciplined parents who always made me wear a, wear a coat. And so I said, look, we should go get your coat. So we walked to out to the Vey all the way, if you know, Harnoff, all the way down from Bayevagan to Harnoff, yeah, which is walk. far. And she, she went up the hill, and I was standing there, and I'm standing and waiting. I'm like, okay, I guess she's not coming back. Okay, I, I have to find somebody else. But long walked <laughs> out. I don't know, 15, 20 minutes later, with her grey duffel coat, and off we walked to the Kosel, and you know, about three a.m. And we don't remember the date, unfortunately. It's a chaval, but at three a.m. Um, approximately you know proposed and then we walked back and and she was uh i think it was all a bit it was all a lot it was a lot it happened for us. fast it happened fast but um and then by the time we got back to harnoff it was already starting to get light and so just as we were coming to the entrance of harnoff she's like turn back now like i don't want any of the rabbis to see that like i was out with a guy the whole night that's gonna give them the wrong idea so that's um yeah then brother Sham, like we got you know we both we went on international trip England and America met our parents, parents-in-law, and and we married in March 30th, Chaf Ches Adar, um, mm. Adar base that year. And actually, I only found, actually only discovered this or realized this recently, that Chaf Ches Adar base Taka, was my parents' anniversary, and they're going to be mm. celebrating 50 years on Chaf Ches Adar this year, and we're going to be celebrating 20, so we have... They celebrated 30 years of our wedding? Yeah. Yes, so they have exactly wow. the same wedding date as me, and it was even out of base that year. I saw their kasuva recently. So right. it's, um, oh, wow. You know, these things. It's amazing how all these things is like shirt and like small little things. Like you see, Hashem's yard always always guiding you along the way, and like like on her, Baruch Hashem, like we felt that a lot. You know, sometimes harder things in life, sometimes happier things in life. But you, if we really open our eyes and we're truthful to ourselves and speak to our inner soul, like we have to always admit and recognize that actually these are Hashem's taps on our shoulders where he's trying to give us messages and guidance. And so our only question really in this world is, are we ready to listen and hear those messages he gives us? Yeah. Which is perfect for for Purim. Yes, 100%, 100%. But I mean, when you started off by saying about the words, and then you're Rabbi Davis, you're emphasizing even more. I can't believe it. I just, I just love these things. If again, if people would open their eyes to what we're talking about and just experience what we experience, I'll explain to you what I'm talking about. (laughs) I was, I was, um, I was in Florida. I had told you I was in Florida this past week and I I met Yafa Palti for the first time. Um, 
Yeah. And we were talking and we were just talking. She says, you know, the power of words. And I said, yes. And, you know, I'm not married. So I had said that um, someone had told me three years ago on March 17th, they said, everyone deserves happiness. And to me, it was just a switch, a switch in the language. Everyone told me, Jordana, you deserve, you deserve, you deserve. And I didn't, I didn't listen to that. When they said I deserved, it wasn't penetrating. But as soon as somebody said, everybody deserves, I was telling Alpha, when people, when someone, one person said that to me, I was like, well, everyone deserves then maybe I'm everybody. And that like a light bulb went on from that one word, that one word changed everything. And then we were just schmoozing. And then I was telling her about this podcast and I sent her this podcast when we parted ways and she messaged me. She was like, I can't believe you sent me this podcast. The title of the podcast was the theme of what I was just talking about, the sheer that I just gave tonight. And I'm like, oh my gosh, it's so powerful. And, and I find also we, when we, like you were saying, like you were saying, oh, if I, you know, when you were younger in, in camp and like, oh, like that, that, that idea, I used to always say, and now I'm going to be revealing something big that a lot of people don't know, but they'll know eventually anyway. Um, I used to say in teaching, I've been teaching in the same school for 28 years. And when I first started out, when I was younger, I said, how am I going to know when to stop teaching? When am I going to know it's time to stop? Like, I don't want them to tell me. Like, you know, you don't want to go and someone says, it's Jordana, you're too old. I said, you know what? When I have a student's child, that's going to be the sign for me to stop teaching. That's when I'm going to stop. Happens to be this year. For the first time ever, I'm teaching two different children's children. Mm -hmm. um, two students of mine, I've taught their parents. Yeah. And it happens to be, just, just a few weeks ago, I told my school, this is it. I'm done. I'm not coming back next year. Wow. wow. So because I, you know, I'm doing my other things and doing the Olami and so on and so forth. But, school? Yes. But isn't that crazy? I told myself the first year when I was teaching, I said, how am I going to know when to stop? And I said, when I finally teach one of my students' children, that's going to be my sign. Wow. But I, I didn't, you know, saying so that's the power of our words. People don't realize how powerful our words are and how they, they come through. You have to be so careful with words also, but it, it, it just, so when you start talking about that, that's the first thing that came to my mind. You got your sign. Like, you got your sign. Right. Exactly. It's not like I said, I wanted that sign, you know, it's the same thing for you. It's not like you, you know what I mean? Totally. That's what we don't I live by. No idea. It was in such a different context, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Totally different context. So this is amazing. So now I'm going to ask uh, both of you the same question. So I know you dated for a short period of time, uh, you know, nine, nine dates. What was it about each of each other that you liked to write away? So Gabor, you could go first. What was it about Rabbi Davis that you right away, like, oh, this is besides the sign. <laughs> well, she asked you. Um, probably kindness. Like I could mm. be like an inner goodness. And that to me is the most important quality in people, but also like someone who's understanding someone who, like I was just saying, we were just talking to good friends of ours whose, whose oldest child is starting to date now. And they had a list of what they thought mattered. And I said to them, I, un I understand where you're coming from. But to me, I'm looking for two things for my kids. Hashem, they should be healthy and well when they're in the right time. Um, like emotional intelligence. And they're like, well, what does that mean? And I said, like, mm. being there for someone really like. And, and then the other thing is resilience. Because I think mm. that 
we'd all love to think that everybody in life is going to, everything in life will go according to our plan, right? Okay. That what we think is best, but as we have been discussing, Hashem has Hashem's plan about what's yeah. best. And that's often very different. And so when we encounter the challenges of life or, or the plan B, C, D, E, F, Zs of life, will this person grow with me? And I saw that my husband, thank God my, he wasn't my husband at the time, but he was a person who was open to learning, open to growing, open to, you know, no matter what life brought our way. And I mean, we had no idea what our life was going to be like, obviously. 20 years ago, it's very different than I think in certain ways than we envisioned that like we would be together hand in hand, fully, fully committed to each other. And that was, that was really important to me. Well, for me, I remember when we first sat down in Cafe Parpar, it just felt really comfortable. Like we just started sitting, we sat down, we just started schmoozing, it just felt like we'd known each other for a, a, a really like a long time. And I think like, it was just, just like souls reconnecting. That's how, what I remember. I mean, it's quite a while ago and I haven't been asked that question for a while, but that, if I'm just trying to think back to that moment, it, I, I do remember thinking it feels very normal. It feels very natural. And, you know, Gabor and I, like we, we advise a lot of people on dating and help try to help people. And like, I think that's one of the things I try and impress upon people. Like, does this just feel really comfortable? Like you guys are going to, cause it, you know, it's a lot of time. It's a lot of life to live together. Absolutely. And like, if you, if there's, if you can feel comfortable from the get go and like, just, this is cool. Like, just like, it's just like two souls uniting to, for one purpose. Like then this might be it. Might, not, not definitely, but like, it's a good chance that this could, this could be the one and this could work. So thank God. Like if I always had that, I think that's why we didn't really date for so long. Um, yeah. You know, even it's though we were clear. in a world, we were in a world where, like, you know, the Baltashuva world, Baltashuvas out there, they really get caught up in how the FFB dates date, and which is really tr tremendously not good. Actually, they really should not be dating like FFBs. They need to do it much for lot longer and for with more thought and care because there's a lot more nuance. And but, but nevertheless, um, I think it was just clear to those, just like this is it. Yeah, like of, like, of course we should get married. That's how it felt. Yeah. Yeah. So now how was it? Because you're coming from two different cultures, really. No? Yeah, that's been an actually, I, I, that actually has been a bit of an issue over the years. Like, even now, believe it or not, um, I mean, one thing I've discovered living in America, there's thousands of words that we use differently. Like, it's not hundreds. It's actually it's thousands and expressions. And right. even, like, innuendo yeah, from, like, facial expressions... Said. The, you said the loo and the people around you didn't know what you're talking about yeah i mean you know it's really hard to deprogram actually as much as i've tried to and like my accent's faded and you can probably tell like it's definitely some english people think i'm australian or south african like i don't sound english to english people actually and i've even had australians thinking i was australian which that to me find a bit weird but nevertheless um like the language issue has been a bit of an issue and yeah, just certain the way of seeing the world. Like it, it is true. Like our formative years of where we brought up and how we see the world, like really do make us who we are. So, as much as I am now American and been here for sixteen years, not lived there for twenty two years, like yeah, it's it's interesting. I'm still pretty English actually. And uh, and Gavor is you know Gavor is like a Southern gal. She was born in Texas. She was raised in Georgia. Went to college in Georgia. So you know she's like really someone of the South in many ways. Just that attitude. So very different so 
But I think that that's it's okay. Like you don't have to put two people together who are, have exactly identical upbringings and backgrounds to like make it work. Like you do, you need two growth oriented people who are willing to listen to the other mm -hmm. and, and try and work on themselves. That's really the echo, in my opinion. Well, mm -hmm. and I think it's interesting because besides being from different geographic regions, um, we. <laughs> Like we always used to joke that we could make like a sitcom, like a split side about how different our parents are. I mean, thank God they're all four amazing people, but like <laughs> how they respond to, I don't think we should talk too, too much about it, but no, just, but they're, they're just, very yeah, different. Like when they, very get, yeah, different. when they get together, which Hashem is every once in a while, because my parents come over here fairly regularly. And, and so... They are, I mean, Kavora's parents moved up to this region. Like they live just a few miles from us. So that they, they've seen each other quite a few times in the last few years. So yeah, Kavora said like we, we could make a sitcom about like in-laws from England and America, like very English and very American sort of parents. Like it would be great. And, and a, personality type yeah, within that. That's a, but that's a great six part series to be made for a good writer. Yeah, totally. But I think that like, it's interesting because what we both said that we liked about each other was like, yeah, you're my soulmate. It's comfortable. It's like, we've always known each other. And I think that sometimes people think that that means. And so that's because we're very similar, but I think you can have a soul connection with someone very different and we still are mm -hmm. very different. I mean, all two people are all, all people are different. You know, we come from mm -hmm. different nature, nurture, environments, you know, circumstances, but that doesn't mean that you can't get along and build a life together. And, you know, this is like with coworkers and I have certain kids that are very different than me. Um, you know, you can build a life and get along with people that are different than you and feel a soul connection. You just have to kind of learn to, I think a lot of it comes down to like understanding that's why things like love languages are so popular and the Enneagram and just whatever modality you choose to sort of classify or understand human mm -hmm. beings um I think what sort of underlying that is that human beings are different and we can't vilify and judge and sort of condemn because obviously by nature most people my way is the way and why can't you right. do things the way I want to do them and really right. understanding that your brain works differently than me. Your soul is wired differently than me. And so, I mean, like with races, for example, like I would get there so late every time. And like, there's been races, I, I think for the Philly Marathon this year, oh. to like drag me well, instead. You're going right to the races and people don't know what you're talking about. Right. So yeah, yeah. so let, before we get into the races, Gabor, let's let me just sum up something that you had sure. said. And I think that, that goes to what you had started with originally about understanding and having the emotional IQ because people are going to be different. But if your your partner is somebody who's understanding, and if you're a person that's understanding and you have a, a high emotional IQ, there's something to work with and you're both growth oriented. So, right. So I think now that we could transition a little bit into what, what I wanted to get to, and I know you guys have your little props coming up soon, um, <laughs> that what happens, I've, I've, I asked this question on each episode about traditions, especially for the two of you coming from two different continents right sometimes it's important to do something together a tradition something that you want to bring together as a as a couple um i have said other episodes how my parents started taking up tennis together but the two of you took something up together why don't you just share with us what you two do together 
besides your work. Well, <laughs> well yeah, yeah, our work I'll, is our main. <laughs> well, we both, you know, during college used to run quite a bit, actually. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Gavara has some journals that lie around the house and sometimes the kids find it entertaining. Don't worry, I'm not going to embarrass you, but um, <laughs> they find it entertaining to see what was going on in the brain of Gavora Davis at 18, 19, 20, 21. I think about when, once she got married. It's pretty similar to my brain now. So, you know, like I recently found she wrote this comment. She's like, I'm running five miles four days a week. That's what she wrote. Now, she Did thinks it? it was five. I think it was five, four miles five days. No. Yeah, we can go look. But it was, she was running 20 miles a week, which is really good. Are you sure? It was yeah. And, I you know, so she oh, was. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Four miles. I used and to then run four miles at a time. I used to run. I remember one time in college, I just like went out on a Sunday afternoon and just like started running, like running and running and running. I just didn't stop. I don't think, I actually never told Kavara this story, funnily enough. And my friends and, you know, this was like before we had a cell phone and, and like my friends in the college dorm, when I got back, like after about two and a half, three hours, they were like, we were so worried about you. Like you went out for a run and you never came back. I'm like, you know, I just kept going. No, I had no, I, I have no idea how long I was going for. They never watch. I didn't have a pedometer. I don't know how far it was, but it was, I remember it being like that two and a half, three hours and just feeling really good. And then I, like, I never did that again. Like I didn't think much of it. It's just like what I felt like, you know, when you're like 18 years old, just like, just do stuff on the fly, you know, like today, that day felt good. But I remember I did used to run around the parks. Definitely used to go jogging in college and lift weights and exercise. And then that carried on when I went to Chappelle's. Like there's a group of us that used to run, run during the lunch break in the Jerusalem forest. And I remember like being one of the better runners but didn't think much of it. And then we got married and Brother Shem, our first child was born within the first year of our marriage. And, and then I really didn't stop. And I really didn't run or ride bike at all, actually for many years. And we, when we moved to Kansas city, um, a few years later, we did get a treadmill. I used it periodically, but you know, we kept having more children, Brother Shem, like we had basically when our fifth was born, our oldest was eight and a half. And so like, I, re- I just hands were just full with kids. And, and then like a few years later, I remember I, I got on some scales. Like my son was probably, my youngest was probably like two or something. And I'm like, whoa, really? That's interesting. That, that's what, that's how heavy I am now. That's surprising. I didn't know that. I, I was quite surprised. I haven't weighed myself in a long time. And I'm like one of those bad men that like, don't really like going to doctors. Um, you know? And so I didn't really know what my weight was. I'm like that. Okay. That, I'd kind of like, I'm up, up to here, like, and it's not going further. I'm going to start running and trying to eat better. And so it was a lot, lot. It was very slowly. Like, you know, like I'm, I just, I would literally start by running one mile. And I remember mm. when I ran that mile originally, I, I used to get a stitch, like a, you know, like your heart's mm. tied. The little pain. And, yeah, but you know, I kind of stuck with it. And like, you know, eventually like I lost a few pounds and, and then we moved. And then we moved to Philly, like a couple of years after all this. And when we got to Philly, like, so we didn't have a treadmill and I just started just running around the park and like, you know, where, where our office was in our, when, with that eight time, like there was a park nearby and like during my lunch break or whatever, like a little, sometimes just like get out the door for 20, 25 minutes, clear my hair, run around the park, come back, keep going, working. Then one day in 2017, my father-in-law who probably was about 64, 65 at the time, like he did like a, a major shred, like he lost a lot of weight, got really fit and he started doing longer distances. He's running 10 Ks. And we're away on vacation mm. with him. He's like, you want to come out on 10K with us, with me? I'm like, sure. And so I was like, just about keeping up with this guy in his mid sixties. And I was probably still in my thirties at that time. Yeah, I was. And, but when I got home, I'm like, you know, that's kind of cool. I'm going to do that again. So I kept, started, started running 10, 10K here and there, but no races, just by myself. 
Then I went to Israel in 2018 and met this guy called Ken Kurtz. Ken Kurtz sort of changed my life, for me, to be honest. He was one of the trip participants in a momentum trip. Ken had run mm. a few marathons. And that we went on the summer and then it, we had a reunion in circus 2020, 2018. No, it was because you ran to the top of Masada yeah, and, up, you, and you yeah. beat everybody. No, we ran up the together. He beat me by a few steps. And he's like, listen, Binyam, you really got to do a marathon. You got to train for a marathon. I'm like, I don't know if I want to do that. I never run in any race. Like the last time I've been in a race, honestly, that I can remember it was, <clears throat> I ran in a 400 meter track race in college for like an intramural neural day. And I remember coming seventh out of eighth. So like in the guy who was eighth was really not in good shape at all. I, I mean, when you were a kid, you were a very slow runner. I was a slow runner. And I, running was not something I was happy about. It was something I did by myself to keep in shape. But that was it. So came home that night from the Cholomai uh, party, looked on the computer. When's the Philadelphia Marathon? It was like six, mm -hmm. it was about seven weeks later. I'm like, okay, that sounds like a reasonable amount of time to transfer, to, to you know train up, start running more. I'll do this. Signed up. And... Well, I went out and told Gavora what my plans were, like, you know, sort of announced what my midlife crisis, I decided, this is my midlife crisis. <clears throat> so Gavora's like, oh, I'll do that too. <laughs> and so she's like, sign me up. I'm like, you sure you want to do that? She's like, you know, Gavora was, even though she'd run a lot, like she, you know, parent, I hadn't run yeah, mother, motherhood and, and work had really taken its toll on on her and she hadn't been running or exercising a lot and and um no not and, at all you know so whatever we signed up and that day i ran 336 which is pretty good marathon time you have to explain to them how good of a time that that's is. pretty good and what pace you were running that's like Perfect. an eight that's eight minutes 17 second per mile pace so that was pretty wow. 26.2 miles yeah and the truth is the wheels came wow. up near the end because i hadn't had the training Gavori did great that day she finished it she walked with it she walked jogged with a friend then after that, I was hooked. I'm like, okay. Mm -hmm. Then I discovered there was this thing called the Boston Marathon. Mm -hmm. The Boston Marathon is an elite marathon. Mm -hmm. Well, the thing about my life and Gavoris too is that I don't like to do things half-baked. Mm -hmm. I'm like, we're either all in or we're not in at all. Like, that, that's how it's going to fly over here. I'm like, so you know what? Like, who says that I'm not allowed to be in the Boston Marathon? What a chutzpah. Right. If I if if... If I have to get a time, you the, have to qualify for it. If, if I have to get very it, elite. if I have to get a qualifying time for the bus, so fine, I'll get it. And which at the time was for that, and it's and every, it, you know, as you get a little bit older, it gets a little bit easier. So at that time, for that age group that I was in, it was three hours ten minutes. So suddenly, this number three hours ten minutes became like this big number in my life, mm -hmm. which is seven minutes fifteen seconds per mile. And I set mm. myself, and I set my goal, and I tried, and I tried, and I tried. And in um, like in, running a lot in, of marathons. Um, let's see for a second. In October, in November of 2021, I missed it by 23 seconds. I ran three oh hours, ten God. minutes, 23 seconds at the um, Rehoboth, Beach, Rehoboth Beach Marathon in Delaware. Mm. And it turns out, had I got that time of 3:10 on the nose, I would have gone into this year's Boston Marathon, and I was really, really upset. But you know what? It taught me. Very important spiritual life, spiritual goal, spiritual message in life, which is, you know, you can sometimes think that you're doing everything right, but actually you miss getting to your goal by a very, very small note. Mm -hmm. I said to our shawl on, on Kol Nidre, Baruch Hashem, I have the opportunity to share a message with everybody in Kol Nidre. I said to the, the folks in the shawl, I'm like, you know, 
this is our time to think, are we trying to get to our end goal? And are we going to be there in the time that we want to be? Are we going to achieve what we've done, what we wanted to achieve in this world? Or are we going to be 23 seconds short? We don't want to be 23 seconds short. And as we stand there on Kol Nidre, it, we make up the gap. We close the gap of that 23 seconds. Or maybe in some people's cases, I know mine, it's a lot more than 23 seconds spiritually. We close that gap. That's what Yom Kippur is all about. We close the gap. And so I took a really great message from that. And so in November of 2022, I ran three hours, eight minutes and 32 seconds in the Philadelphia mm -hmm. Marathon, a crazy windy day. It was 26 degrees and, and by, it was insane. And it was by the river. Mm, like, it's even windier. It was, so, it was, it's hard to, you can't really yeah. convey how cold it was. So with it was like, so cold. So hopefully for the Boston 2024 marathon, uh, mm. I, I think that I'm going to, it should be good enough because I'll actually be in the next age group after that. So I'll have a big buffer uh, without going into too many technical details, but um, you know, it became a sort of a labor. It, it wasn't easy, but I've tried to take a spiritual message from it and grow. And so that's a long-winded answer, but... Um, but like a month before, you yeah. missed it. Yeah. Or was it two months before? I tried twice. I, I ran three, I ran four right. marathons in 2022. And I finally mm. nailed it at the, lot, at the fourth of those. So it did feel quite exhilarating. I'm not going to lie. But, but that said... I'm definitely trying to use the physical exhilaration to grow spiritually because ultimately life isn't about running a fast time in a marathon. Like, you know, they're not, you know, I keep saying and thinking to myself, like, you know, like after 120 years, like they're not going to write my best, my PR in the marathon on my gravestone. Like they're going to write, okay. you know, that's not going to be what they're going to talk about at Shiva. Like, you know, I mean, I know it sounds a little bit morbid, but on, on the other hand, we also yeah. have to think about, we have to think about what is our legacy, what are we leaving behind, and what is our what spiritual um, goals and achievements are we creating for ourselves in this world? Anyway, that's a long-winded story. Gavora, do you want to? She's tired. Sorry, I'm so I think sorry. That, like just no, no, no. I'm sorry, and I just want to explain the context and why I think for us running so many half marathons and marathons is is really interesting. Is because it's not really a rabbi sport, meaning. Most races are on Saturdays. No, well, no, it's 50 50. There's a lot on there are there are a lot on Sundays, actually. Okay, so 50 50, but that already eliminates half the races. But additionally, right. I guess what I mean by that is that most people, like a marathon, you know, we're talking about it fairly casually, but a marathon is like a huge endeavor. Um, right. Like, and it's not just physical energy, it's like a marathon is like an emotional race. Like at this year's Philly Marathon, when I finished, I just couldn't stop crying. Well, because she, because mm. so Gavora broke. Well, so that day when I got my Boston qualifying time, Gavora broke five hours for the first time, which she'd been trying to do. It was her, that was her fifth marathon, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I've been trying. And, for but even if I, fifth? Yeah, I even if I hadn't, fifth or sixth finished, it's it's just a very. I mean, it's it defies nature. Like people, you know, like it's, running yeah, it, for twenty six miles is yeah, it's pretty is a lot. It's pretty far. I have, you have to dig deep. I have done one. Yeah, I did one fifty k, which is like thirty one, and a bit miles. Um, but that was pretty intense. But that was more of like a trail run. But what was I saying about? Oh, about your that they're, so they're most so so even if you run on Sunday, you know, talking to the majority of the marathon runners, it's like a whole weekend for them. The day before, you're relaxing mm. in your hotel room. Um, you're like visualizing a lot of people will like drive through the course to like envision themselves. 
And like for us on Saturdays, we are working very, very, very hard, like very hard, thank God. And it's just nonstop from the second we wake up. So like last night, for example, we, I mean, this past weekend, we had a really big Shabbaton and we didn't get home till like 11 last night. And then the kids weren't even home. And then to get, you know, there's not so, so many marathons or half marathons. You have to find them there. And then for us, like they had to be within a drive because we're not gonna, you know, we don't, we don't usually take off on Shabbat unless it's for family or for, you know, traveling to Israel or whatever. So like we had to wake up at, I had my alarm set for 5.50 this morning after getting home at 11.30. So just today, we just ran a half marathon in Queens around Corona Park, which that was kind of. Where, where the U S open is. So it's 13 miles and it's like a big deal, you know, it's a lot. So I apologize for yawning, but I will say that I think both of us share that, um, like for me, I'm not a natural athlete. I'm not, not Mm -hmm. thin. I'm not built like a runner. Um, it's, it's not easy for me, but so I, I feel that like when we're learning how to do a marathon, or a half marathon, or, you know, we sometimes do a 10 mile race or whatever. Um, I did two triathlons this summer. That was wild. Signed up for a third, but I had bike malfunction. Triathlons are very technical, but anyways, is that it's not just about the running. It's so analogous with so many things in life, setting a goal, sticking with it, digging deep, you know, like for me, Benjamin isn't like this. He actually enjoys running. I like swimming. I swim a lot and I don't find swimming that hard. Um, cause I grew up swimming. I was on a swim team for, you know, my whole childhood and, and even through high school. Um, for me, running is really hard. Like every step is, is, mm. is difficult, but I just, you know, I, I feel like for me, like even the day of the Philly marathon, this might sound stupid, but, and I had parked a mile away. We dropped my husband off cause he was serious. I parked a mile away. So I had to walk a mile. It was still dark out at the time, freezing cold. Then the marathon started, my headphones broke and weren't working. So I had to run. He never, you're not really supposed to listen to music while you're doing marathons. But anyways, for me, it's my lifeline. So I was just thinking like, I'm so cold. Why am I? I think I said I didn't want to do it even that morning. That morning, he's like, get out of bed, get out of bed. I'm like, I don't want to. Yeah, you know what's been really nice about it is that we actually encourage each other. We 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 do encourage each other. You know, listen, like I I actually retired on Wednesday from racing. Um, I decided that's it. You know what? I'm done. It's just, it's too distracting. There's a lot of, there's a lot of Torah I've got to learn. There's a lot of things in life. I don't want to like get too many clicky ankles and, stuff like that. I'm like, you know, it's, it's good. Like I've, I've, my PRs are way more than I thought I'd ever get. Like I've, I've broken one thirty and a half marathon. I've broken a 20 minute 5k. Like these are ridiculous times for like a guy who's in his middle age, like who's never such a runner. Like, I, I don't know how I've done it. I haven't even put excessive mileage in. Like I've just had determination and been, you know, fairly smart with my training, but so I retired, so I retired on Wednesday and Friday's like, Gavora's like, Come with me to Queens on Sunday morning. We're doing a half marathon. Please, will you come? And so I'm like, okay, fine. I'll sign us up. It wasn't too expensive. That was that encouraged. Some of these races are a little too expensive. That one wasn't too bad. And so, so I guess I'm already out of retirement. It was a two day. It was a two day retirement. But you know, quit many times, and our kids all cry and say you have. Yeah, but that's such a really nice thing. Then also, it's just like it's something that we found to do together. It's healthy. It's clean. It's good for our minds. Um, We, you know. It's like a bit of a date, you know, we travel there together. 
and right. like it helps us clear our minds so we can do our job and serve Hashem. Like that's really how we have to look at it. Um, you know, for other people, it's sort of you know, other people it becomes their life. I like that. That's all there is. Like, mm-hmm. I think that's a mistake. Everything for a Jew has to be this is a means to serve Hashem in a deeper way. And yeah. so, at every step of life, everything we do always have, we always have to ask ourselves: Is that helping me achieve that goal? And it's partly why I re- sort of like wanted to retire because I'm like I'm not sure that it is right now, but but you know after a little more more reflection, I you know I I do it's very good for my mental health and mm-hmm. my physical health certainly it's important it's important to stay in shape, and um, you know everything has to be tempered you know it doesn't yeah. What what I was gonna say is that in the Philly Mar- and we've done a few cold races, really cold races mm-hmm. in the winter, you know, because it's really a mm-hmm. summer and spring and fall sport, but we. We somehow ran a lot this winter, actually. But anyhow, I was just thinking, so I, like I always think about like Lahavdil, um, like Jews in very difficult circumstances where they're cold. And I thought like, I, you know, like I'm not being forced. I'm not, you know, in Europe. This isn't a death march, thank God. And like both of us, like something that we do a lot, I guess, is daven while we're running. Like for me, like I'm the whole time saying, please, Hashem, please. Like this doesn't make sense. I shouldn't be able to do this feat. It's like a little bit defies nature for me because I, I don't train very well. I'm not very disciplined. But like I, like both of us will try to like choose a pasik or like an idea or like a manifestation during like a big race, like a marathon or half marathon. Like sometimes, what have yours been like? Well, to, today I was just, Going around, thank you know, saying thank you, Hashem, Joe, and you can, you know, just just keep going over that in my mind. Just as like it, you know, it's like some people like to meditate, and obviously there's a concept of his bodhidus in you know Hasidus, you know, meditation, contemplation in a sort of a quiet space. For me, um, my meditation comes from when I'm running, you know, through seeing a nigun or just going saying the same thing over and over again, or trying to talk down mm-hmm. to Hashem, or sort of having clarity and thought. Like for me, it's been very good in that way which again is another reason why i do hope to try and continue because i do feel it is a additional important channel for me in my service of hashem yeah i say like there's only hashem a lot and, and i also say hashem like hashem you you know you're the one giving strength to our people and that god willing just like we've been granted physical strength so often every time we try that we should also have you know spiritual strength emotional strength to to do what we need to do <sighs> Sorry. 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 That's okay. <laughs> tired. That's you, that you did a marathon you know this is where you get tired um you have any so we, yeah I, wa- I wanted to transition a little bit about what you do at, as your job together as a couple you do the running it helps you the physical aspect and i love all the beauty that you're you know, tying into the spirituality, but as a couple, you know, besides in your community, what is your overall role? You, do you have, you have a shul mainly, is it an organization that you run? Okay. What are your day in day out responsibilities, weekly responsibilities? How do you go about that? So, You're conferring with each other. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> so eight time and Aish, as I said earlier in the conversation, joined together in basically January 1st, 2019. And Eishchaim does have a synagogue component. We have um, holidays and Shabbos services, and, and so that's sort of like t- that takes a little bit of our time. Um, you know, Fridays and Shabbos especially. Mitzvahs, weddings. Yeah, know. so we tra- you know we so we definitely have like the pastoral care and um, 
there's definitely some counseling involved and helping people through some difficult situations. So there's sort of like the shul community side of what we do, but we also try and do outreach, um, reaching out to Jews who perhaps aren't necessarily so observant or don't necessarily haven't had the chance to have um, a deep, strong Torah education, Jewish education. So we said we'll be a lot of people learning a lot of one-on-ones. I found to be really the most effective way to to really just sort of get close to somebody and, and really actually study in a really meaningful way. But we have various classes and programs we put on for the community all throughout the year, different types of programs, different types <laughs> of classes. And so we help organize and facilitate, facilitate and teach that. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's really just taking care of the community. And like we're, I mean, I know that there's different opinions on this and a lot of people don't agree, but we, for like, I we both felt very, very, very strongly that if Benjamin was going to do what he did and be the rabbi, we would only accept that if if I was paid full time, because mm-hmm. we feel very passionately that um, you know, for various reasons, like mostly Benjamin works with men and I work with women, and um, we're pretty, yeah, I mean we're pretty strict on that, and we feel very passionately and strongly in that because I think that for um because it's really a deep emotional soul connection. Mm-hmm. So for like the ladies in our shul and in our city, I'm very available. And, and it could be anything. It could be from seeing, you know, people's kids school play to, you know, like being there when people lose people, when people are sick, mm-hmm. um, parenting challenges, marriage challenges. You know, I always say, guys, call me when things are going well, please. Um, because those aren't the majority of our calls, unfortunately. So we just, but I mean, the thing is, is that like outreach and the way we do outreach is a lifestyle and Mm -hmm. I don't know how it works for other people. I mean, there are other models, but for us, like we're both all in. So, Mm. you know, like on days that I'm teaching, that means Benjamin doing carpool and dinner and laundry and, you know, all of that. And, um, and, and that's part of, you know, how he feels like his job is to do those things while I'm doing my thing. Um, cause we're also like very passionate about parenting and we try for our kids not to live a life where their parents are both always so, so, so busy. It's difficult. I mean, it's not just our, I, I guess it's not unique in our professions, but you know, and our kids are really part of, of, you know, that's when I joked when I said our kids are in the family business, like we had a single Shabbaton and, and one of the amazing ladies who was there was talking about if she should get back together with someone or not. And, and my 10 year old was giving her his opinion and his advice. And she put to me today, Simcha is so smart. Like, I think I am going to go with what he said. And, you know, and like, and, but like, also like our kids are really proud of what we do. Um, mm. And like, they're, you know, they're in it too. And they give up their bedroom sometimes and they, give up a lot of their parents' time because they know that it's important. And um, it's just, it's, it's, it's nonstop. And I think part of why, you know, we merit to be successful at what we do is because we're both all in it. And, mm. um, you know, we're both very supportive of each other, which is a real blessing. But to be clear, yeah. Kavora never stops. I just want to make this clear. Kavora just goes, 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 goes. The people call her all day. She's lying with people, meeting with people organizing things she's got she actually has a hamantash and bacon a few hours and we want to take her kids out on a walk so we should probably do that soon but she never ever stops i just want to make that clear like she 
No, no, no. I'm saying this in a nice way. Yeah, I know. No, yeah. she is extremely busy. She's yeah, okay. she, no, it's not. No, no. I'm saying not. not well, to, he's always saying to people when they come to him, "Why isn't your wife responding to my message?" No, no. Not to embarrass her. God forbid. It's the opposite, which is really a, you. Said you know the question was, "What do we do?" Like Kavora, I just want to make it clear, like Kavora fully dedicates herself to the community. Like you're and so do you. But I'll just yeah. give you an example. Like we had a Shabbat home, like I mentioned yesterday, so that's why it's on my mind, and it ended up raining a lot Friday night. So instead of and you know we live in um a pretty geographically diverse neighborhood and so instead of um walking to the oneg where we planned to be after dinner we stayed in shul and all the hot water got drank because you know people mm. have cups after dinner right. so, is that what it was yeah that's what happened oh, that's what happened oh you didn't realize that <laughs> makes sense yeah they, so, they drank a lot of tea so then, like, after we're finally, like, everybody at midnight, the building's closed, our guard wants to go home, we got to go, you know, we're home at 6 a.m., we're up, Binyamin was learning, and he was saying to me, you know that I don't think there's a lot of hot water at shul, so before I go to shul, where I have to move the tables and arrange the chairs, I'm going to go walk to the host's house with thermoses, walk to shul, get thermoses, walk to the host house, get hot water, because he's like, you know, it's a single shot of time. I want everyone to be their best selves and the kind of people who don't drink coffee when they need coffee, because people had asked us, will there be coffee there? So, you know, like he said yesterday, I know that you're saying I'm the one who's so busy, but yesterday, Binyamin was like, I think I walked 13 miles, like from each no, of the locations. No, My, you know, so the thing is, one other reason why I run, actually, this is a serious point, is because I don't know if I could do my job if I didn't. Like yes, mm -hmm. I, my legs were tired by the end of the day than they are at the end. Certainly, the end of a half marathon, marathon about the same. I, I swear, I'm. I, I really mean, I'm not joking. I, I'm not exaggerating. It was really the same feeling, or more, or harder. Like absolute exhaustion in my legs. You know, because it's like you just have going, to going, going the whole day. Davin Mincha at your shul, and then walk to and, where the third meal so was. And if I didn't, lean if and, I didn't keep fit. Know. And did do the running, I couldn't do my job properly. So actually, this is really another reason why I should carry on with it. And Maybe why I you're guess, out of retirement. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah, but we keep busy. We're trying to do what we can for this community and for our organization and be successful in our job and help Jewish people connect with their heritage and their tradition. And um, that's that was that's what motivates us. We were fortunate enough to have some great people in our life in our early twenties who help show us the light of Torah. And so we're trying to continue to extend the light of Hashem's Torah in this world by doing the same thing in a holy way. Mm, beautiful, beautiful. So we're going to end with two questions. You ready? Okay. One, you might, I might know the answer already, but the other one, I don't. Do you were mentioning it's your anniversary coming up? Mm -hmm. Well, I know if I don't, I'm not doing the math right now. This episode might even actually come out on your anniversary, but... <laughs> What do you do? You have plans for your anniversary, like what you're gonna do? Just the two of you, maybe something, or is it a surprise that you're surprising her with something? I have jury duty on my anniversary. <laughs> I already got out of because it was on a holiday. Was it was it Arab Shabbos? I'm finding this out now for the first time, by the way. Yeah. Okay, and he had all these plans, Gavura. You ruined it. <laughs> well, it's actually interesting because, like, something that I don't know if this helps other people, but something that does help us a lot is that nights are very, very, very hectic with our work and our kids. So we mostly go out during the day. And the cool thing is that we like doing the same thing. So we're like, neither of us, I mean, I guess you could tell this by now, but neither of us are like a sit and relax kind of people. Like we don't, right. 
can count on my hand the number of times in our whole marriage we've gone out to dinner together because it's just not like we don't, we don't enjoy it. Um, right. So we, you know, we like to hike. We like to, we, we like to be active together. Yeah. I mean, I was thinking about, I, I have been thinking about what to do actually as it happens. I was, okay. I was going to try and surprise her, but now apparently she's going to be in court. Well, I'm hoping <laughs> most of the time when you're summoned for jury duty, it doesn't come to fruition come to fruition right when you're there they, they yeah. let you go um, usually, usually you could get out of it by saying you have kids of school age you know i think sometimes because of child care at once but i it got delayed yeah. once i'm gonna try to get out of it i mean like yeah, it's actually believe it or not better at these things than me like he sometimes does like scavenger hunts and gets the uh, kids involved and gifts from that. and gets the kids involved in gifts for me i'm pretty boring Oh, so I like that. They're very nice. You know, well, we make smoothies. We try to make smoothies for each other every day. That's the truth. Oh, that's nice. That's yeah. nice. So, so Rabbi Davis, you have to now. You have to have that thoughts percolating yeah. now that we brought out to your attention that yeah. she'll be busy. We'll keep you posted. <laughs> we'll keep keep me posted. The other thing I always like to ask the couples, and this might go to from might bring us right back to where we started, but maybe not. I always like to ask um, if you could think of a song or a movie or a book that would represent your relationship, what would it be? So now it might go back to that first song, that the sign, but maybe not. I mean, I think it really does, to be honest. I do listen yeah. to that song quite often. It, it, we a, both run to it a lot. Yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, I mean, I not to be too cliched here, but it is, it has sort of set the stage. I actually, I've always been planning to get a big sign in front of our house that's, I wanted to name our house Fields of Gold, actually, but we don't technically own this house that we live in, so. I'm not a little bit strange about putting a, a sign. We could maybe do that. Sadez Ahav. So um, right. I think it really does. I mean, it's just, it, it, it's a song of, you know, listen, I'm, I'm not saying, the answer to my question from 20 years ago, what do you, is, what do you think about that is, I don't particularly love um, comparing Fields of Gold to Shir Hashirim, Song of Songs, to be perfectly blunt. Um, I think the two are very different domains, um, you know, and so, but that said, I think the words are of that song are about hope and love and, and joy and, and joy. And I think that's really important to try and have throughout marriage. You know, life can take its toll, things happen, experiences are not always easy. And, you know, that, that sort of youthfulness and that love and that silliness and that spark from the early years of marriage, like that, I always feel like if a couple could just bring that with them, like through the hard times and through the years and then into the decades, like it could, it could just be a lot better. And it, it's not easy. I, I'm not pretending that any of this is easy. You know, I've just right. met somebody that he just, I don't want to say too much, but like whatever, after being married for really quite a long time, having a family, like got divorced after, you know, later on in life. And then like, I just think to myself, like what happened? Like what happened to that joy and that simcha and that love and that silliness right. and that passion that, I'm sure they had in their twenties. Like, where where did that go? So, like a song like Fields of Gold, like so, it can remind us of like you know, there was this field, there was this vision, and there was this vision of gold, and it was beauty, and it was splendor, and it was joy, and it was happiness, and it was tranquility, and everything was sh sh shiny and sparkling, and we felt so good, and we felt like kings and queens in it, and that's how we felt when we were young in this field together, and that's why we wanted to make a life together. And then this has happened and that's happened and this person's 
you've lost a job and there's had maybe someone's had a difficulty with a child or whatever it is, Khalila. And suddenly like the gold doesn't seem as bright and sparkly anymore. But if we can just try and tap into those memories of that field of gold from when we were young, perhaps we can find something in our heart that still reminds us of that and we can sort of rub it off and make it shine again. And that's the work of life, that's the work of marriage. Mm, I love that. Yeah. And it was really beautiful. I'll, I'll just say very quickly that I um, you know, it's a great question. And if you if you were to come to any like I teach a lot to young professionals and college students on relationships and like something that like they say that I'm like, you know, like I'm the realist, I'm the destroyer of love. The truth is by nature. I'm very in the clouds. I'm very romantic. I love music. I love novels. I love fiction. But I think if there's one area that we have to be super, be super careful um, of believing the lies of fiction, it's love, dating, romance, and marriage. And like I always say to my mm-hmm. students, like I know that you think you want to be the star of a of a Nicholas Sparks book, but you don't, because someone always dies, and it's it's star-crossed <laughs> love. And I think that like it, it, we make a mistake when we think that um, it's going to be, you know, like movies and songs and books, most of them are lies and they're written by people trying to sell lies and they end mm-hmm. in the beginning and, and marriage bells are the last scene of a film. And what I say to students is I know that this is, could feel heartbreaking to hear the rabbits and say that this is not the ideal because it's so attractive and it, and it feels so good and mm-hmm. so shiny, but that doesn't mean that the other side has to be negative or bad. We just have to reimagine what love is. And from a Jewish perspective, love really comes from giving. And that if we can find the joy in giving, marriage has limitless potential because there's so many opportunities to give in a relationship. And so I think that, um, like, yeah, that, um, yeah, I just think that marriage is such a beautiful thing, but I think that we do it a little bit of a disservice when we sort of try to think that it's going to be like Hollywood. Like I have a friend who, who said to me that her husband said to her, she, she used to always complain to her husband, you never say all the nice things that they say in the movies. And he said, that's because I don't have a Hollywood writer whispering it in my ear. <laughs> They're not saying it either. This is what people right. imagine that they would want. So I think right. that, thank God, thank God we have a lot of beauty and, but, but it's from us building it. You know, it's not, right. it's not easy. It's not simple. Wow. Wow. So thank you so much. This is, we've been, we've been choosing a long time. And are you have sorry, to go? I know you have to go too. And I'm sorry that we thank you. No, no, no. If anybody wanted to contact the two of you, I know you're in your area, but maybe people are listening to this and they're enjoying the words that you have to say, what would be the best way for them to reach out to you? Binyamin Davis at gmail.com. It's, so it's my name. B I N Y O M I N Davis at gmail.com. And Gavora's name, you guys, Gavora's name's there at the corner of the screen. Gavora Davis at gmail.com. But as, but my husband's much better at responding to messages. Yeah, email me. Don't, don't bother you guys. Don't email her. Just send don't it. Bother, don't bother, Gavora. Just do it to Binyamin no, and I'm you're sorry, good to go. I respond. No, I also, I've got really good at responding to emails because getting close to a month ago now, I decided I'm going to cut myself off from all media and all these stupid things that these phones have distracted us with over the past decade. 
and um, just try and focus on what I'm supposed to be doing in life. And I've become a lot more functional and a lot more focused on my vote as a sham. You so I can't. That's, I'm not telling. Saying, not I'm not saying to everybody that they should ditch their iPhone or not look at the news. But for me, it's just what I personally needed to do. And so, not that I was bad at answering emails before, but you know, there's a lot of messaging in life, texts, and WhatsApp, and emails, and phone calls to respond to. Like it's just so overwhelming. And so I just felt, I feel like in this world, like unless you're just fully focused on it, you're gonna like it's, like things just drop through the cracks. And a lot of organization grows and we get busy and busier, like we get more messaging. So a lot of messages. Yeah, thank, gosh, um, thank you so much. Yes, thank you for your time. Oh, thank you. you. Appreciate it. And um, everybody that's listening and watching, hope you enjoyed our story. And thank you for thank you for listening and um, be in touch. Thanks so much for joining me on this episode of Drink It In The Podcast. You can find all my episodes and so much more at maverickpodcasting.com. Come connect and say hi with me on Instagram at drinkitin underscore Jordana. If you like the show, leave a five-star rating wherever you listen to podcasts. See you next time.